Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, it's good to see all of you this morning. I'd like you uh, to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 1. I'll read verses 18 through 25 here in just a little bit. You know, I've talked about before how I love movies and I love reading novels and TV shows and things like that. I love stories. And I love strong characters who move the story along, who help the story move smoothly. And, you know, when we think of characters like that, we normally think of the main characters, the people who are in front, the Frodo's, the Luke Skywalker's, the Huckleberry Finn's, or whoever they might be. And yet, sometimes there are background characters who, even though we are not concentrated on them, we're really not focused on them, you know, they do help the story move along. We could make a joke, there's a joke amongst us science fiction nerds about some of the background characters in the original Star Trek series. Because, you know, all the, the people on the Starship Enterprise, they all had different, like, colored uniforms. You had your reds and your yellows and your blues. Well, there are always these guys in the red shirt uniforms. If they were going to go on an away mission, you knew they were going to die. I mean, the, the red shirt uniform guys in the background were going to be the guys who died. They go on an away mission, you're like, oh, they're dead. They're going to be gone. But at least you knew that the main characters were going to be safe. Well, no, they're not going to shoot at the main characters. They're going to shoot at these guys in the red shirts. So, I mean, that helped out a, a little bit. But, you know, you got those kind of background characters. But, you know, there might be nobler background characters who still are in the background. And yet you, you just, you barely notice them. You barely notice anything that they do. And yet, you know, they, they help the story along. I think of one in the original Captain America movie, uh, Dum Dum Duggan. He was part of Captain America's Howling Commandos. And if you don't know the guy I'm talking about, he had like the round bowler hat on and the big mustache. And he was important. He went with Cap and he protected Cap. And, you know, they went in, they stormed all those Hydra places and, and you know, helped take down uh, the bad guys. And he was in the background. He may have had one or two speaking lines in, in the entire movie, and yet... He was important because he helped Cap out. Now, I mean, if you go on in the comic books, he had a little bit more story than, than that. Uh, he took Cap's place as the head of those Howling Commandos. He, he had a part in forming S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, that agency that's in, in the Marvel Universe and things like that. So, so he's a background character. But, he, you know, he, he still had important parts and did important things. And the reason that I, I bring that up is, is because there are people in the background that can have a big impact. And one very real person who is not a character in a novel, but one very real person in the Bible that I see is like that is Joseph. You know, his story is relegated to the Christmas season pretty much. His story is relegated to the early life of Jesus, and he remains in the background. He's just mentioned you know, a handful of times. His story's consigned to like, the first two chapters of Matthew, the first two chapters of Luke, and he's always in, in the background. And even if he's mentioned elsewhere in Scripture, it's always Joseph, the husband of Mary, Joseph, 
you know, the father of Jesus. We know he was kind of the, the earthly stepfather, I guess, if you want to use that term, uh, of Jesus. So he was always in the background. He's the background character. And yet, he played such an important role of what went on, what we do, you know, in celebrating Christmas. You know, because something we might not think about is that he played an important part in Jesus' early development. Now, that's kind of hard to fathom in and of itself that, that Jesus developed as a man, as a person, because we know that Jesus is both God and man. He's human, but he's God. And, and he actually grew and developed over time like an ordinary human being. You know, it says like in, in Luke 2.52 that it tells us that he increased in wisdom, he increased in stature, he increased in favor with, with God and, and man. And, you know, it's hard to imagine that, that but that's Jesus. I mean, he was fully man. And, and Joseph played an important part in that. He, he played a, a big role in Jesus increasing in wisdom and knowledge and stature and, and in favor. So, you know, Joseph really, if you think about it, he was given a great responsibility. Raise the Son of God. Whew! What a, what a responsibility. But he's still in Scripture, in the story, so to speak, he's relegated to the background. And so what I want us to see this morning about Joseph is that Joseph, he was an ordinary man. He was just a normal human being. And yeah, he remained kind of a background character in the gospel story. Yet he was used mightily of God to advance God's redemptive purposes because he had developed certain characteristics and integrity and virtue in his life that made him usable by God. There's a reason Joseph was there. There's a reason why God used Joseph. And, and I, what I want us to take away from the passage today is that us ordinary people, us ordinary people who, who work in the background, we can develop these same characteristics and integrity and virtue that makes us useful to God's plan, that makes us usable so that we advance God's holy kingdom. So even though Joseph is in the background, there are still things we can learn from him. And so I want to read verses 18 through 25 of Matthew chapter 1, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these verses. Matthew writes this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by that prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, I just pray that you would work in our hearts, and we see examples in Scripture like Joseph of integrity, of character, and Lord, that we would desire to be 
that, and we would desire to be used of you for your glory and honor to make Jesus known. And we pray this in his holy name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So I want to answer the question today, what characteristics made Joseph, this ordinary man, this background character, well, what made Joseph so important such that we ought to develop these same characteristics and live that way as well? You know, what made Joseph usable by God? And first, I want you to notice uh, what our passage tells us is that Joseph was righteous. Joseph was righteous. Now, now let me give just a little bit of background, um, a little context, so we understand kind of what's going, going on here. Um, we, we find in this passage that Mary is betrothed to Joseph. Now, now back in biblical times, marriage and engagement and, 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 and the whole marriage process was a whole lot different than, you know, what we think of. What, what, what would happen is that people would become betrothed to one another, and betrothal was more than what we think of as engagement. In, in a special sense, they were what I will term as they were already partially married at that point. What in the world does that mean? I mean, they, they were bonded together, but they were not fully married yet so as to enjoy the privileges of marriage. So the next step would have been for the bridegroom to prepare a household for his wife and then his family, and then when the time came for the wedding, he and his friends and family, they'd come to the bride's parents' house, they'd get the bride, they'd take the bride and all her family and friends and go to the house that he had prepared, and they'd have the wedding, and then they'd have a feast, they'd have a party. Honestly, these wedding parties would go on for days. And so then they would be, like, fully married. At this point, Joseph and Mary were in this betrothal part of the relationship, what I termed as partially married. They had not yet moved to that next step where Joseph had come and gotten her and brought her to the house and had a proper wedding. But in, in the sight of the Jewish leaders and the Jewish religion, for all intents and purposes, they were married enough so that if something would happen and they needed to split, they would have to divorce. It would entail a divorce. To dissolve the relationship so that's the context where we find ourselves and this is the context that joseph finds himself he's betrothed to mary and then he finds out mary is pregnant so now in verse 19 it says that joseph was a just man other translations might say righteous he was a righteous man and when they describe him as righteous, what it's saying is, Joseph, he was a good guy. He was upright in character. He followed God's law. He was as faithful to God as he could be. He was a good Jew. He celebrated the festivals. He gave the sacrifices. He worshiped, and he followed Yahweh, the God of his ancestors. Now, because he was righteous, and because he was just, and because he knew the law, and he wanted to please God. That's what part of being just and righteous is, wanting to please God. He would not and could not have any part of just winking at sin or seeming to ignore sin or give the impression of being a part of sin. So now, here, so here's Mary, and she's pregnant. And Joseph knows he had nothing to do with it. 
So on the surface level, the way things looked, it would seem that Mary committed adultery because they're partially married, right? And so if you have relations outside of marriage, that's adultery. You know, now Mary probably told Joseph all about the angel and, you know, she's still a virgin. The Holy Spirit was going to come upon her. She was going to birth the Messiah and, and things like that. But uh, let's face it. Somebody comes to you with that story. Yeah, an angel appeared to me and said, I'd still be a virgin, but I'd give birth to a baby and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you heard that story. You'd be like, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know, Joseph heard the story and he's like, yeah, right, whatever. And, and, and so because Joseph was righteous and didn't want to connect with sin, he was going to pursue divorce because he couldn't give kind of a wink to her unfaithfulness, her seeming unfaithfulness. He couldn't share by extension in her guilt. And so by divorcing Mary, he thought he was doing what was right in the eyes of God. He didn't want to dishonor God by connecting himself to what Mary did by appearances. So here's the lesson for us. Strive to do what is right in God's sight according to God's word and all that we do and say and think in, in our attitudes. Seek to please God as he defines it. And that's an important caveat. Because unfortunately, the Christian culture that seems to be growing in our day and age, so many people seek to please men, so many people seek to please themselves, so many people seek to conform themselves to the values of the world so they cease trying to do what God says. They cease trying to follow his word. They cease trying to do what is right according to God, not according to the world or themselves or anybody else. Because what makes a person righteous, I mean, first, what makes a person righteous is faith in Jesus Christ that gives you a right standing before God. But then by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're empowered to do what is right according to God. Not according to man, not according to the world, what's right according to God. And, and what us Christians need to hear is that it is God that determines what is just. It is God that determines what is right. The current political atmosphere and politicians do not determine what is right. Politicians don't determine what is right. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> but neither does the Hollywood elite who are out there, be they sports stars, movie stars, whatever, who are trying to tell you what to think and what to believe. And they, you know, I'm a, I'm a movie star. I'm an important person. And I'm going to tell you what's right. And this is right. Okay. You know, most, most of the world are lemmings. They're just going to follow. They're just going to follow. Okay, if you say so. If their sports star says, this is, this is what I think is right. Oh, okay. I mean, if LeBron James or whoever, uh, Aaron Rodgers says this is right, well, it must be right. They don't determine what's right. Social movements don't determine what's right. Guess who determines what's right? God determines what's right. God determines what's right, and he reveals it in his work. And so like Joseph, we seek to please God by doing what is right according to what God says in his word. Joseph was a righteous man. We seek to be righteous. We first seek faith in Jesus Christ, have a right standing, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to do what's right according to 
his word. So that's one characteristic. But the second characteristic about Joseph I want you to see today is that Joseph was merciful. Joseph was merciful. He wanted to do what was right in the sight of God, but he didn't. By doing that, it doesn't mean that he wanted to just go out there and start hurting people, right? He, don't, he didn't go out there and just start being a jerk to Mary and to, and to everybody else. You know, that's kind of the funny thing that I said a long time ago. Don't be a jerk. You know, you can be a Christian, you can do what is right in God's sight, but don't be a jerk about it. That's going, that'll be another one of them phrases you remember what, what I say, the weird things that I say. You don't have to be a, a jerk about it. And when you look at his situation, look at what Joseph was going, going through. He, he was under the assumption that Mary had committed adultery. I mean, in the circumstances, you can understand the assumption. So in his mind, Mary betrayed him. He was hurt. But he, he, Joseph wasn't going to take that hurt and then let that hurt turn into anger and bitterness and then do what he could to hurt Mary back. He wasn't going to seek revenge against Mary because of what he perceived to have been done to him, right? So our, our passage says that Joseph was just, he was right, righteous, and so he was going to do what was right in the eyes of God, but then it says he was unwilling to put her to shame. Another way you might want to translate it, that is, is that he wasn't going to disgrace her. He wasn't going to try and disgrace her. So his plan was to divorce her quietly. He was going to do the right thing and divorce her, but he was going to do it quietly. He didn't want to disgrace her. So that means he didn't want to make her a public spectacle. He didn't want to make a big deal and a big spectacle about what happened. He wasn't going to drag her name through the mud. Because, I mean, if he wanted to, he could have gone around and started bad-mouthing Mary, calling her all sorts of unflattering names. He could have spread rumors about her. He could have gossiped about her. And he could have turned their small village against her. Not that they didn't already know what was going on. I mean, if you've ever been part of a small community, everybody's up in everybody else's business. Not just in communities, but in other gatherings as well. And so they knew what was going on. And he could have made things so much worse for her by going around, hey, do you know what Mary did to me? She did blah, 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 blah. Now, on top of that, if Joseph really wanted to be extra mean, he could have gone to the leadership of the Jews in that area, in that city, and invoked the law, because according to the law, those who committed adultery were to be put to death by stoning. I mean, he could have riled up the town and had her put to death. But that is not what Joseph did. It says he had no desire to put her to shame. Out of love and mercy, he still wanted to protect her. He still wanted what was best for her. So he wanted to do things quietly. He didn't want to make life hard on her. He didn't want to heap up guilt and, and shame. He wanted to show mercy. Because somehow people have come to this conclusion that if you want to do what is right in God's eyes and you see someone doing wrong, and I'll put that in quotes because oftentimes when we say someone's doing wrong, 
It's more based on our opinion than on Scripture. But either way, you see someone doing wrong, you're going to lambaste them, you're going to belittle them. If they've done wrong, if they've done you wrong, or, or something like that, you're just going to go at, at them in some way, shape, or form. So, so people have come to think that, well, if I'm going to do the right thing, I'm going to just try and completely destroy someone. I mean, look at what Christians do to other Christians on social media. Oh, I don't like what you said. I'm just going to call you a jerk and all these other names. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going I'm to let you know what I think. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind on social media. Y'all better be careful. Might not have a whole lot to spare. You're going to be giving pieces of your mind out there. That's what we think being right is about. But Joseph shows us a better way. Whether or not someone is wrong, whether or not someone has done wrong, whether or not has someone done you wrong, you do right in the eyes of God, and you do it while still showing mercy to others. You know, there's this verse that I just have kept coming back to over the past few months. Micah 6.8. Let me read to you from the New Living Translation what Micah 6.8 says. O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. Listen up. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The Lord has told you what is good. He has told you what is required of you. What is it that the Lord requires of you? To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God desires. You can do right, and you can be merciful to the ones who have done wrong. Because guess what? When we start taking on the self-righteous attitude of, well, it's my job to make sure this person knows everything that they've done wrong, and I'm going to call them every name in the, in the book, we're forgetting one thing. We're forgetting that we're a sinner just like them, and guess what? We've all done wrong as well. So how would you like to be treated like you're treating the other person? That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, stop trying to get that little sliver out of everybody else's eye when you've got this big old log sticking out of yours. I don't know what, that, what in the world that is. That's the other thing. Not only do I have weird phrases, I have weird little hand things. Big old log coming out of your eye, and you're all worried about that person's sliver, speck. So someone has done wrong. Someone has done you wrong. Guess what? You don't seek to get back at them. You do right, and you love mercy. You make sure that your thoughts and attitudes and actions are right according to God and his word, but you also show mercy to others because we're all sinners. We all have logs in our eyes. So be careful in how you treat others. Do right, but love mercy as well. And then the third characteristic I want to talk about with, with Joseph is that Joseph was obedient. 
Joseph was obedient. So Joseph had these plans in his mind. He was going to divorce Mary quietly, and he was just going to go on with his life. All right, I'm going to divorce Mary. I'm going to go on with my life. I'm going to do the carpenter thing. You know, I'll find another woman and, you know, raise a family with them, whatever. Well, now he goes to sleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, confirming the story that Mary had told him. Guess what? Mary is carrying the child by the Holy Spirit. And, and so he's given instructions from God what to do. He was to go ahead with the wedding. He was to go ahead and bring Mary into his household and make her his wife. And then he was to take on the role of the earthly father of this child who wasn't his. And, and again, a little context in Jewish culture, because it talks about naming the child. What, what would happen within the Jewish culture is that a male child would be circumcised on the eighth day, the eighth day after birth. And so at, this, at the ceremony, when the child was circumcised, the father would name the child, and so he was, by that action, he was taking the child as his own. That child would legally be his. And so Joseph was legally making Jesus his. When he was circumcised, naming the child, and so that he would legally be Joseph's son, which would make, legally make him an heir to David. Now, Joseph could have ignored the dream. He could have thought, oh, it's just a dream. He could have thought, oh, you know, it was just some bad lamb that I ate or something like that, having this weird, weird dream. Now, I've never had a dream with an angel you probably can't just dismiss when something like that happens. I mean, an angel appears to you, you kind of, kind of remember that. So even though he, he may have known it was an angel and, you know, took the message, he could have just dismissed it. He could have just ignored it. He could have refused to do what it was done because he was still hurt. He was still confused. You know, he could have just said, no, I, I'm not going to, to do it. I mean, after what Mary did to me, I don't know if I, st I still don't know if I believe this story and th things like that. He could have refused to do what he was told. But what does verse 24 in our passage say? It says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He did what he was commanded. And so here we find Joseph, he's receptive to the word of God, and then he was obedient to the word of God. Joseph took God's command for what it was. This is the word of the Lord. And seeing that it was the word of the Lord, he conformed his life to it. He conformed his actions to it. Right? How important is that? Receive the word of God and then obey the word of God. We, we obviously find the word of God in, in Scripture. And, and there's a lot there. There's a whole lot in, in Scripture here. Now we know that because of our sinful nature, we don't obey a lot of the times, most of the time. And that's why it's so wonderful. We have a Savior. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. We have a Savior. Because we're lawbreakers, He took the punishment for us. Yet, you know what? We, we also know we want to please God. How do you please God? Nothing, well, nothing pleases God more than obedience. So I mentioned earlier, Joseph is righteous. He does what is right. But, but you know, He's also a sinner. I mean, Joseph's just a normal guy. He could have ignored what God said. He could have said, I'm mad at Mary. I'm not going to do it. 
I'm, I'm mad, I'm, I'm hurt, I'm this, I'm that. I don't care what God says, I'm, I, don't want, I don't want to do it. You know, how many of us, we're reading Scripture maybe, we come across something we know we need to integrate into our lives, but you know what, we don't like it, we don't agree with it. So we come to a crossroads there. Here, here's a verse that's in Scripture. I don't like it, I don't necessarily agree with it. Well, you know what? doesn't really matter if we like it or not, and it doesn't really matter if we agree with it or not. God said it, so what are we supposed to do with it? We're supposed to obey it, right? We come, apart, we come to that, that part of Scripture that says that you are to forgive. Forgive, or else you know, you're not going to be forgiven. You know, okay, God says to forgive so-and-so. Well, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to hold on to my bitterness. Or we come, uh, we come to that part where it says, Love your neighbor. And we begin to think, you know what, I'm not overly sure that God has met my neighbor because if God knew my neighbor, he wouldn't tell me to love him or anything like that. And boy, we come to that part about love your enemies. What? Love your enemies? Well, guess what? It don't matter if you like it or not, agree with it or not, it's there. So you know what we do? We do it. We obey it. You know, if anyone really had a genuine gripe, I mean, I guess it would be Joseph, in a sense. You know kind of the sense I'm meaning. Because, you know, he's still reeling from what he thought was betrayal. And still that hurt. And just because, you know, just because the angel came and said all that, yeah, there, there's relief, but there's remnants of all that stuff that's still there. But you know what? He was given a word by God. He received it. And he obeyed it. And so the question is, are we going to be like Joseph? Are we going to obey that word? Now, you know, there's a whole lot more we could say about Joseph, but the thing is, here's this background character used of God. Now, he's not the main person of the story. He's not even the focus of the passage that I read. Guess who the focus is? Someone who hasn't even been born yet. Jesus is the focus of that passage. Jesus, God the Son, who become fully human, who would die on the cross to be the sacrifice for our sins. He's the main character, so to speak, even in this passage. Joseph is a background character. And a little reminder to us, guess what? We are background characters. We're not the hero in the story. Man, if you hear preachers or writers out there saying, you can be the hero of the story. Look out. Jesus is the hero, period. Jesus is the focus, period. Jesus is the main, if you want to use the word character, obviously, you know, not meant in the fictional sense, but he's the main man, period, not us. This is not the me show. This is not the you show. Everything is about Jesus. We are not the center. We're not the heroes. I remember seeing this video of a preacher and he was telling the story of David and Goliath and he was talking about, you're David, you can conquer your giants too. And I'm like, I felt like yelling out to him, look, sit down son before you hurt yourself. You're not, we're not David. David is a type of Christ. He is a foreshadowing of Christ. 
David's not me. I'm not David. Jesus Christ is the hero. But just because we're in the background doesn't mean we don't have an important role to play. Because, that, you know, there's so little about Joseph in Scripture. We don't really have his background or anything like that. We don't know what, really what the rest of his life was about other than the little bits and pieces here and there. But guess what? Even though he was in the background, he had an amazing role to play. God used him because he developed these characteristics that made him usable. And so my prayer is that we would do the same. And so Christian, maybe you want to come to the altar and, and pray that what God would develop this character within you. And you make yourself available to God to be used by him as he sees fit. But maybe there's someone here who you can't be used of God because you don't belong to him yet. You're not a child of God because you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ. What a, what a season to come and believe in Jesus Christ. What a season to give your life to Jesus Christ who died for you and who rose for you. And so during the invitation, I'll be up front here. If you want to give your life to Christ, you come on. I will introduce you to Jesus, the, the baby who we celebrate at Christmas, who grew up to be the Savior of the world. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.